So I had the dream last night. I was moving to America. Oh. And I was going to support my boyfriend. It wasn't you. Oh, no. He was a small town actor named Zach. Okay. He'd been in a couple of high school musicals before, but his dream was really to be the greatest showman. Uh, okay. <laughs> I know where this is going already. No, that was it. That was so the dream. So <laughs> basically, your dream was to run away with Zac Efron to America? Yeah, pretty much. And was I not in this parallel universe? No, we'd broken up. I'd moved on. <laughs> so you went from me to Zac Efron? What, do you not think I could date Zac no, Efron? No, I'm just saying that's quite a big upgrade. That's what my mother said too. <laughs> this is What Would You Do If? The podcast to answer all of your What Would You Do If? questions. So this week on What Would You Do If? It's What Would You Do If You Moved Across the World? Myself and Jessica is here as normal. But joining us this week is my good friend Nick Kay. Nick Kay is the Assistant Programme Director and the Imaging Director at Spin1038. What a title. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me on the podcast, guys. Uh, an honour to be here. First uh, special guest and yeah, thanks for having me. I like that you called yourself special there. Yeah, no, I, no <laughs> very much. So it's what would you do if you moved across the world? That's the question, Jessica. What would you do if tomorrow morning you had to move across the world? I'd probably instantly start crying because I know that there's no way I could ever move out of Ireland because I have my pet rabbit, Harvey. Okay. So I wouldn't be able to get him anywhere. He would just have a heart attack on the plane. (laughs) I had looked into bringing rabbits on flights before because I was training him to be an international show jumping champion. This is probably a conversation for another podcast, but I need to hear more about that. But go on. You know when um, horses are show jumping? Yeah. Yeah, they have that for rabbits. Wow. So I was trying to get him to do that. But it turns out the flights that you need, like, planes don't like rabbits okay. on planes. And you can only really get the special flights for bringing rabbits abroad in, like, Sweden and stuff, okay. where all of the rabbits are show jumping, so I couldn't have gotten them over there. And so, I guess, you know, for horses, you sit on the horses. Obviously, you don't sit on the rabbits. No, he had a little harness, and I was going to use the dog's lead to bring him around. He liked the harness very much, like... So, see, I like the organising stuff. I just feel like the actual doing would be the thing that would get me really upset. Like, um, I like organising going away and stuff. But then if I have to actually pack things, then it would be too stressful. Like, <laughs> how do you decide what you're bringing across the world? Like, will I need this jacket? Will it be really warm in the place I'm going? Or do I need winter stuff? And all that stuff would just stress me out so much. I suppose if you're really young, and you don't have a load of belongings and everything. Let's say you are moving from Ireland to Australia. Sorry, but when you moved in, you took up like three rooms of the house. So you have a lot of belongings for a 26-year-old. Oh, classic Callum bringing his baggage <laughs> everywhere he goes. But it was mainly clothes. The stuff that I brought was clothes and maybe a TV. It wasn't all my like life essentials like cutlery, pots and pans. So Callum, how did you actually feel having to move over to Ireland? I knew what I'd had to do really because I've done a couple of moves. But because it was over the water, it just seemed a little bit more complex as in trying to look for a house, trying to look for somewhere to live, especially because I only had about two or three weeks until finding I had the job to get a a new place and to start the job. So I had everything planned in terms of what I was going to bring. I was going to do a couple of flights over, so I would do one week, bring basic essentials and clothes, go back home, bring more clothes. And I had that down and I had the flights booked, but I still had nowhere to live until about two weeks beforehand. And I don't know if any anyone knows how the housing market is in Ireland, but it's not good. You go into like a box room for about a grand a month and there'd be nothing there and there'd be mould on the walls and you'd be living with seven different people in that entire room as well. And luckily I found somewhere for about 850. It was still a bit expensive, but I thought, do you know what? 
I've got to move over here. It might be for six months. It might be a year. I'm just going to grin and bear it until I find somewhere nice. And then the woman who I was renting it off before I'd even seen the place messaged me saying, hey, Callum, I want the 850 euro deposit down before you come and collect your keys. And I'm like, no, this does not sound good. (laughs) And I went into my bank and they said, "Um, why do you want to transfer this money? And said, oh, I'm putting a deposit down on the house. Someone came running out. I was like, don't send the money because it just sounded like a scam. And I got to Dublin and I saw the house and it didn't look anything like it did in the pictures. The pictures were all nice and it was well lit and there was no flies or anything. I got there and I was like, I've already committed to this now. I've seen the place. I've got to hand over the money. And the woman gave me the key. So I had the key. I gave her 850 in cash as the deposit. I was like, great, I've got it. But I didn't use the key to lock the door. So in my mind, there was still something like, hold on. What if she's just given me 850 quid? and a key to a random place that isn't even this house. And I flew back to the UK and I was panicking and I was really anxious until I came back on that Saturday night before I started work. It was about midnight. I'd never been into this place apart from the time that I was with the woman. I never tried the key. There was no one else living there. I was pooping myself. Mm, That sounds horrible. And I put the key in the door and I still wasn't happy because you know sometimes you can put keys in doors and they don't move, but they just stick there. And it stuck for a little second and my heart dropped. And then the key turned and I was like, thank God I've paid 850 quid, not just for this key. The one thing that I wish I did, and I I had a fair few people message me when I got the job, including yourself and Mm. Graham and Nathan as well, saying, if you need any help with housing or anything, just give us a shout and we'll help you out. And I wish I took them up on that offer because I could have even just sent them out just to see if it was legit, uh, given them a few links and they could have done some like house viewings for me Mm. whilst I was there. Like the woman who I spoke to, I was on like FaceTime at the time, but it was really jittery and at that point, I was just like, I just want to start the job and I want somewhere to live. Yeah. And I just needed to get into it. So that's my story of me stressing out. And I think if I was to do that again, I'd definitely get some help. And even if it's like if I went for a job halfway across the world, I'd even ask the boss just to say, is there any way that you could help me find somewhere to live? Because realistically, if the boss has hired you, they want you in that yeah. job, won't you? Piece of advice, and I did this the second time I moved, was uh, I'd made the radio station put me up in a hotel for a week close by. Oh, and I wish then I did that. that gave me the week of, of... So I would literally go into work in the morning, I'd do my job, um, and then I'd come back and I'd be based at the hotel, which was like walking distance from the radio station, yeah. and I'd use the remainder of my day to then look for somewhere to live. So Nick, you are not Irish, I hear? What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I am bleeding Irish. That's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> no. I've been working on that for years. I think so, you need to work a little harder. So now we know you're not Irish. <laughs> yeah. Um, you moved over to Ireland a few years ago, I'm guessing? Yeah, it was Christmas of 2012 I got here. Yeah, and what are we in now? 2019, that's six years, seven six years, yeah. So what was it like moving over? Um, fine. So my story wasn't like, let's go, we're moving for good. That happened later. So initially what happened was, so we were living, myself and Caroline, who's my wife now, at the time she was my girlfriend. Um, and the reason we moved over in the first place was because we, she was, she was with me in Australia for three or four, five years and, uh, she was on visas, but then one of her visas expired. Actually, what happened was she was applying for residency or something and that got declined. And when it got declined, she had a month to leave the country. Oh, that's yeah. harsh. I was on air. I was doing a drive show in Darwin in Australia 
and so I was on air from four till seven, and she came into the radio station after work, and she came into me. It was like five o'clock, and she came into me in tears. And I'm like in the middle of a show, oh, no. and uh, and she was like, um, "Yeah, the visa got declined, and I have one month to leave the country." And she that was the moment she was like. Um, you know, five years of this relationship, thousands of dollars into the visa. Um, we've moved from state to city to city with my radio career. It was like, all of that's going to be thrown away because she has to leave the country. And I was like, bugger it, let's go. I'll come with you to Ireland. I can't lose you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's a uh, love story. Was um, that very spur of the moment? Yeah, I was on air. I was like, don't worry, I'll come with you. We'll figure it out. And, and what, what the plan was, was that we would come to Ireland for six months and do an appeals process. So we'd be here, spend time with the family. I'd get to meet them all, um, do six months of like whatever, traveling around Europe. And then I'd go back to another, ra- I had another radio job in Sydney lined up. And uh, and I was going to go back to that. And that was going to be all fine. And then as time, so, so yeah, leaving Australia was fine. I wasn't concerned too much. That's the general kind of question of this whole podcast is what would you do if, well, I was put in that scenario, and for me, it was like six months, we'll be back. I'm coming back to Today FM in Sydney, which I don't know if you know radio, but that's like the biggest leagues in the world at the time. Uh, Today FM has since hit rock bottom, but uh, let's not go <laughs> Is there. that because you've not gone back? <laughs> Correct. Yes, I left and the, t- the station sank. No, uh, so I was all excited about that, and it was like good little break, put in my resignation at the station I was at, everything, and it was kind of like an exciting little six-month break. And my parents, now, they were a bit concerned. They were like, oh, if you leave, will you be able to get back into radio? I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. Everything's sorted, blah, blah, blah. I have these good relationships and all that. And then, anyway, we got here, and um, I... I heard about spin and I just Googled, I was like, it'd be cool to do some casual on air shifts at spin. I was like, email, I Googled spin PD program director and Michael Brett, who is now the program director of 98 FM, his email popped up and I sent a random email saying, Hey, this is weird, but blah, 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 blah. Actually a funny story. I emailed Michael and I said, Hey Michael, here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's what station I work at, blah, blah, blah. And I sent the email and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't expect to hear back. There was a massive time difference. Anyway, after I sent the email, I put spin on in, in the office while I was preparing for my drive show. And at the time, Michael's breakfast show, Ryan and Tracy were fully charged. They were doing a phone topic on, can't remember what it was. And I was preparing my drive show and I didn't have a phone topic. And I was like, <laughs> I stole, I stole Ryan and Tracy's phone topic that they were using. And I was like, yep, take that. And I'll put my own spin on it and put my own story to set it up. Great. No problem. Anyway, Michael, who I know very well now to be a vigilant man, Obviously received my email and was like, oh, I'll look at that station. And he's, he turns on the station I worked at at the time, listening to me live, stealing his breakfast show's <laughs> phone topic. And I got an email back. This was the first correspondence I'd ever got from Michael Brett. And he was like, he, he opened with, ha, huh, great callers on my breakfast show's phone topic. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this is awesome. And, he, and that was the first bit of correspondence. He was like, Oh, because I said I was coming over to Ireland. I'd love to see the station, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, great, come in, show you around, blah, blah. Anyway, got to Ireland and came in. And then he started giving me some casual shifts on the weekend and stuff. And that was all fine. And then three or four months into it, Lisa Dignam did production at Spin. She left and I did production. And they offered me the full-time job in production. And I was like... Oh, maybe we'll stay a bit longer. Yeah, because that's that's the original six months out the window, isn't it? There you go. One thing led to another, and all of a sudden, we were just living here. And I was, like, enjoying the ride a little bit. And then, at the same time, Kiss 
in Australia launched. And the program director from Today FM went across to launch Kiss and he said to me, do you want to do a show from there called the UK Top 10? And uh, it'll be like a, a one-hour top 10 countdown. You'll have British stars on every week, do celeb goss all around the UK, and, and we'll make it sound like you're live from the UK, and you can be part of the launching team for Kiss. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's very bizarre, because you're, you're doing a show for Australia. Yeah based in the UK, but actually recording it in Ireland. Yeah, I couldn't say Ireland because it's not as appealing as the UK. <laughs> London is a bigger kind of selling point than Dublin, unfortunately. So, like, the show was doing great. And then, seven years later, I'm married, I bought a house, I have a kid, I'm bloody five, six years in this job, and there's no <laughs> sign of going back. So, it it was unintentional, but that's how my story went down, the long version. Did you ever have to tell your parents that you weren't actually going back then? Hmm, yeah, so that was that was a tough one. When I told them that I was taking a job, it was like, okay, cool. It wasn't like a forever thing. Then I told them we were saving for a house, and then it was like, uh, it's, I never actually said, oh, we're not coming home. It just became more and more of a thing that I was here now and here's what I'm doing and I'm buying a house here. I don't think I ever said, I'm never coming back. (laughs) How did you think about, obviously because you were uprooting and moving your life over to Ireland, even just for those six months, you're traveling thousands of miles. What did you bring over with you? Um, Not a whole lot that I can remember. It was just like suitcase of clothes and and that's kind of it. Like, yeah, just clothes. Because anything else you really need when it's that far away, you just buy it I guess like what a, like what else you're not bringing pots and pans you'll go to the bloody <laughs> shop and buy that here or like um, yeah I don't know like it's you really just close and and that's kind of sad to think about like if you're uprooting your life yeah. um, what do you have that's more than clothes like, there's a lot of previous you behind in Australia yeah. and current you oh don't worry mum here. lets me hear about all the stuff that's stored in her <laughs> bloody basement don't worry about that you should go back to my house uh, back home with my mum in the UK because literally yeah. my bedroom is like a shrine to me there's so many things that I've just left there that I've never brought over no and way. like I said it's only across the water it's not thousands of miles it's yeah. a couple of hundred the thing is though the stuff that you have at home you would never want it it's like Doctor Who board <laughs> games this is the thing like and that. you're not bringing that to the outside leave that there you You'll go back and visit when you go home. I have a TV that's over there that I'm planning on shipping over in the next couple of weeks. It's about 30 quid that's coming over. Like, that's that's good value for money, isn't it? It's either buying another TV for 500 quid or shipping over a, a decent 45-inch tally for 30 quid. Yeah, that's not bad. I remember um, Christian O'Connell, the breakfast presenter, mm-hmm. what you call last year when he was moving from the UK to Australia, he was bringing over basically everything it sounded like. It all had to be quarantined, even like the cars and stuff. Wow, okay. And um, he was saying that his dog had to go through quarantine, but it's a 190 day process Wow! to get an animal quarantined. It's really sad as well because you'll be away from them for a while and obviously they'll be sad because they'll yeah. just be locked up in a cage in a strange country that they've never visited before. Yeah. It was even worse for his dog because a dog flu broke out while his dog was over <gasps> oh, there. No. So it was stuck in quarantine for an extra three weeks. Jeez. Just a thought for you. Do Australian dogs bark in Australian accents? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can... Woof, good day. <laughs> <laughs> That is. You did a really bad Irish accent, so <laughs> okay. I could do a really bad Australian we'll accent. We'll let you away with that one. So, Nick, obviously your story is that you were always going to go back to Australia, you were going to get the visa sorted, then you go back with Caroline, but actually you ended up here. What if you were told, actually, Nick, you're going from Australia to Ireland, what would your plan be then? 
yeah, if someone came to me and said, if you want to be with her forever, you have to move back to Ireland and never come back to Australia. If that was put to me, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I, oh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say because, because obviously I can't see my life without Caroline, but we've yeah. come so far. It would be a lot harder to pack up and go, and Callum, you know me, I'm a, like, probably listening to me tell the story of how it's all happened. Mm would panic you because because you're an organized guy and you've heard me just kind of go with the flow. Ah, sure, we'll go for six months. And <laughs> What's that, a job? Yeah, sure, I'll take that. And yeah. Like, I'm just kind of going with the flow. And I know for some people that would freak them out. They, like, need to know everything's mapped out and stuff like that. But I, I honestly think that if, if it was ever going to happen to anyone, the best way that it can happen was how it happened to me because there was no sudden drop. There was no sudden, like, your life changes forever today. There was no, like, harsh message of you're never going home. There was none of that. It was like, things unfolded naturally and and in a way that was good because I found work and then we had family and then it was buy a house. It, like, everything was, yeah. like, a natural progression. That it was almost good. staggered, wasn't it? Because you always had in the back of your mind that, oh, I'm going to go back in six months. So yeah. there's sort of the, the ease in your mind. And also, like, I say this, and I always feel bad when people ask me, oh, Callum, how did you get on at home when I'm around you? Because yeah. I know that the flights are so much longer and so much more expensive. Oh, like, if I could pop over to home for the weekend for a yeah. couple hundred bucks, that would be incredible. Like, uh, you can still visit home, and I know it. Yeah. you have to plan, like, months in advance, and you went back in the new year with yeah. little Noah and everything, and yeah. I'm sure that that was amazing because you treasure that time more don't you mm, definitely yeah 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 i'd never in my life ever been homesick or ever thought that i'm the person that would suffer with homesickness like that's just not me I, i'm not reliant or dependent on anyone and i'll do my own thing and blah 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 but for the first time in my whole life when i came back from australia just now in january january february yeah. um yeah Oh my god, two weeks of like proper homesickness. It was so bad. It was horrible. I really just wanted to give Nick a hug because I never seen him like you were still you and you were still putting on the brave face. Yeah. But Oh, he, that cloud was following me around. There I'll was a you. dark cloud yeah. and now on his desktop wallpaper he changes it now and again <laughs> to somewhere nice at, at home and he points yeah. out where his dad lives. Yeah. And oh my god, can we move to Australia please? Oh, this is all too sad. <laughs> no, but don't tell her it's forever. Just get there and then yeah, find we'll work. For, we'll go for six months <laughs> yeah. and then we'll come back to Ireland. That sounds grand, yeah. Okay, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Guys, thank you for having me. This has been great. Great podcast. Uh, good question. It's good for anyone who's considering a move abroad. Uh, yeah, no, very good. Thank you for having me. Bye. If you like this episode of What Would You Do If, you can subscribe on your favourite podcasting app with new episodes every Monday. Thanks for listening to What Would You Do If?